Dagalia, Egebo Jacquea, Egebo Jacquea, Egebo Jacquea, Angabala de Bobo Rocoto Sekele de Baragadascatele de Manga, Nengele de Bojacele Manga, Engabolo Topo Sekele de Manga, Egebo Rocoto Sekele de Baba, Le Barocoto Sekele de Brina Catola de Baba, Engaba Jocola de Brina Caton de Gelea. Father, we rejoice and we thank you tonight. We rejoice that we have access into the deep things of God by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that the word comes with clarity tonight. The entrance of your word giveth light and it giveth understanding to the simple. Veils fall off. The minds of your people illuminated. The spirit of wisdom and revelation granted your people in the knowledge of Christ. We decree that Lord tonight as your word comes forth your people built up, equipped and your people, O oh God, prepared unto every good work. And at the end of this service Jesus is glorified and we'll all be the better for it. We give you praise and glory for answered prayer. In Jesus Jesus precious name and every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our feet together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to the service tonight by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and all of you that are connected to the service tonight in Aquaibom State by way of Comfort FM and Excel FM. It's a joy to have everybody connected to the service. Hey, our house centers, get ready. It's going to be a great time of studying tonight and all our campuses around the world. It's a joy to see every one of you tonight. And our social media community, you guys are doing marvelous. Just help us share the videos, create watch parties. Let's flood the blue marble planet with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. Grab your notebook, your pen, and your Bible. And you can be seated with your sweet, smart self tonight as we get into the word of his grace. Glory to God. <clears throat> Amen. I'm so excited. My son, Pastor Daddy Ken, has been with me since yesterday and we're enjoying times of fellowship, man. Good to see you. Praise God. All right, we'll be looking at Soteria. Season 7 is still 30 days of glory 2020 and we're examining the legal and the vital work of salvation. The legal and the vital work of salvation. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect, if we neglect, that is key, if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. For God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Glory to God. Alright, so we are examining very critically and doctrinally the subject of salvation from the redemptive point of view. We're looking at the price that was paid, where it was paid, how the price was paid, what the price paid was, and when the price was paid. That's what we've been examining in the course of these 30 days of glory. 
Now, just, just you know, you need to read a bit further of that Hebrews where we started reading today. A, a bit further and you will you will see something said about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5 now. Let's proceed. Chapter 2 verse number 5. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come. Whereof we speak. Verse 6. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? The writer of Hebrews was quoting this from Psalms chapter 8 verse 4 to 6. Put it up for me. Psalms chapter 8 verse 4 to 6. The book of Psalms 8 4 to 6. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Verse 5. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Now, I'd like you to realize that we have seen that the Bible is Christocentric in nature. The Bible is Christocentric in nature. So now I will take you to another plane, and I mean another plane in the scriptures, as we continue our study. The same Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 7. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 7. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And thou didst set him over the works of thy hands. Verse 8 now. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. We do not see all things put on the man. Now notice the statements. The angels were made. And he now says, you made, you made Jesus a little lower than the angels. That involves straight up that Jesus put on a physical body. The mortality of Jesus made him a little lower than the angels. So that physical formation is what the scriptures mean by made him a little lower than the angels. So the discussion was, what is man? If you are not, you know, born again, or if you are an ordinary man, then the first thing you will be thinking about is, when he says, what is man? You will think maybe David was wondering what happened to man when he fell, you know, in Genesis. But that's not what the scripture is making reference to, because the writer of Hebrews, who now has a revelation, says, when we, we see not yet all things put under him, we do not see all things yet put under him. And that is in case you were looking at man who don't yet see all things put under him. Then he now says, but we see Jesus in verse 9. But we see Jesus. That is the Holy Ghost showing you Jesus in the scriptures. Verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 2. But we see Jesus. We do not yet see everything put under man, but we see Jesus. I love that. So our focus and our message is Jesus. So that scripture is not showing you man before the fall or man after the fall. That scripture was talking about Jesus. We see Jesus meaning is a Christocentric scripture. And why was he made lower than the angels? For the suffering of death. For the suffering of death. That means he will need to be a human being for him to be able to suffer and die. For the suffering of death. So Jesus the man was made a little lower 
in, you know, than the angels and he has been crowned with glory and honor. Look at that verse 9 again. I like to read the whole of that verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So him being a little lower than the angels was an act of grace. That he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. It was an act of grace. Now look at verse 10 and 11. We're just laying foundation. Verse 10 and 11. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. In bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Next verse. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So we are in that scripture because of Jesus. We are in that scripture because of Jesus. Jesus is not in that scripture because of us. We are in that scripture because of Jesus. So that scripture identifies with us because of Jesus. It identifies with us because of Jesus. It's not like because we are the ones and we can't fulfill it, then Jesus came to take our place. No, that's not what he's saying. For this cause, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Talking about our physical composition, our physical makeup. Look at that Hebrews chapter two, chapter two, verse eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Hebrews two, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Next verse, saying, "I will declare their name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee?" Thirteen. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Now, please pay attention. So, Jesus is the one spoken of here. And you will see that confirmed in the book of Psalm 22. Give me verse 14 and 15 of Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. Remember, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. So as much then as we partook of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same. He also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So you can see that scripture was speaking about Jesus. Today that scripture speaks about us because we are in Christ. So invariably we begin to see that there's an involvement of the devil there. There is an involvement of the devil there. If you remember yesterday, we started just a little, little about the devil. This personality called the devil. The first thing he says about the devil there is, He that had, H-A-D, he that had the power of death. That is the devil. Now that already shows you that somebody already had the power of death. 
The power of death there means the power of spiritual death. The power of spiritual death. So we read what the power of death is in Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. What the power of death is. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that. All have sinned. So the devil had the power of spiritual death. So the reign, the reign or the rule or the regime of Satan was the reign of sin in spiritual death. The reign of Satan was the reign of sin in spiritual death. So, take note of that. Something about spiritual death, which I took time to explain a few days ago, maybe yesterday or the day before, two things spiritual death did to humanity. Number one, you know that in spiritual death, you are dead spiritually. And a man that is dead spiritually is unaware of what is going on spiritually. A man that is dead spiritually is unaware of what is going on spiritually. Man was acting in a way he could not explain. After the fall, when he was in fellowship with God, he understood things. But when he fell away from God, he doesn't understand anymore. So the power of death is sin. When sin came, sin brought death. He that had the power of death, that is the devil. So now Satan comes into the picture. He that had the power of death, that is the devil. So Satan comes into the picture. And the moment he comes in, you begin to wonder, Romans chapter 5 verse 14. Look at what the writer of brother Paul says in Romans 5 14. Nevertheless, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that are not seen after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. The figure of him that was to come. So there was a rule of death from Adam to Moses. Death reigned in the spirit of man. Death reigned in the spirit of man. So when we see things that happen, and we are tempted to be, you know, tempted. Remember, it is the reign of death. And when we want to see the acts of God, when we want to see the acts of God in the Old Testament, when we want to see the act of God in Genesis to Malachi, we read Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chronicle of the acts of God. God in the Old Testament will speak. Man will mix it and you know he will mix it with faith and that man becomes saved in a promise. To see the acts of God in the Old Testament we look at Hebrews chapter 11 because that explains to us the acts of God. Because Hebrews 11 is a chronicle of those who walked with God by faith in the Old Testament. By faith Abel, by faith Noah, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Moses. All of them walked by faith. So many things are acts of spiritual death in the Old Testament. Many things are acts of spiritual death in the Old Testament. Please pay attention. So God's communication with man was in that way. God's communication with man was in that way because he was communicating with a man that was spiritually dead. 
He was communicating with a man that was spiritually dead. Are you still in the building? So, in the Old Testament, therefore, you will see that coloration in the communication. He said, Jesus defeated sin by death. Listen carefully. He defeated Satan by death. And delivered them who all through their lifetime were subject to bondage because of the fear of death. So to humanity, death was bondage. To humanity, death was bondage. To Jesus, death was a choice. To humanity, death was bondage. To Jesus, death was a choice. Because he sacrificed for us. He sacrificed for us. So therefore, to us, bondage. To Jesus, choice. So Jesus died and defeated the devil. Jesus died and defeated the devil. Look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 to 15. Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 to 15. In whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Who has raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Hath he quickened together with him. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Which was contrary to us. And took it out of the way. Nailing it to his cross. Glory to God. And having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. Triumphing over them in it. Just a little about Satan. Please pay attention. In this instance you will agree. That Jesus spoiled principalities on the cross. He spoiled principalities by his cross. As we are going to see, the word nailing it to his cross was not in the original. Nailing it to his cross is not in the original in that Colossians. The proper translation is that he took it out of the way. He took it out of the way. How? Having spoiled principalities and powers. He took it out of the way. Not nailing it to the cross. He took it out of the way. That's the way it is in the original. And made a show of them openly. Where did he take away the handwriting? When he triumphed. When he triumphed. When he rose. Did he triumph on the cross? No. His triumph was not on the cross. Because we have seen so far, the place was a place of crucifixion. A place on the cross where he was made a cause. He was made sin. And we took time to look at that yesterday. Now let us see another identification of the cross. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 to 18. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 to 18. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh 
even the law of commandments containing ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity between the Jew and the Gentile thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar the Gentile and to you that were nigh the Jew alright 18 18. For through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. We both have one access by the spirit unto the Father. Talking about Jews and Gentiles. So, on the cross, Jesus united the Jew and the Gentile. We have seen that the cross to the Jew and to the Gentile, what it means. Now, in him... In Jesus, the Jew and the Gentile is represented. In Jesus, we have the Jew and the Gentile. The cause of the Jews and the punishment of the Gentiles. The cause of the Jews and the punishment of the Gentiles. So in Galatians 3.13, he says Jesus was made a cause. The question now will be, what happened to the cross? He identified on the cross with us spiritually. So the cross was a symbol of identification. He identified with us. He identified also with us physically when he incarnated. When God became a man and put on flesh, it was identification with us physically. Then on the cross, he identified with us spiritually. Now please pay attention. So he now went ahead to identify with us on the cross. On that cross, he was he became a spiritual stigma, both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. So the cross was for identification. We are going to see now where victory over Satan happened. Where did the victory? Look, it's important you follow what I'm teaching now. So that you don't become, you know, part of those people that when a statement is made, they just start fighting without thinking. The reason for some of the details, painstaking details we give in teaching, you may not see the importance until we have finished and everything comes together. Then tomorrow they ask you a question from one of those segments. Then you begin to value why we take time to painstakingly make sure no detail is left out in teaching. We pay attention to every detail because you are being equipped so that you too can be a blessing. So what we are dealing with now is where victory over Satan happened. Victory over Satan did not happen on the cross. Notice that when Jesus told the disciples, he said, in a little while you see me, and in a little while you see me no more, just like a woman who is in travel still has joy. He was referring to the three days. I'll be gone for three days and I'll, I'll rise from the dead. He then told them again, number one, on the cross, he was made sin. Number two, on the cross, he was made a cause of the law. Number three, on the cross, is a place where he identified with man. There was no victory on the cross. That was the beginning of the redemptive walk. The cross was the introduction to the redemptive walk. Look at Matthew 27 verse 50. Matthew chapter 27 verse number 50. Glory to God. Matthew 27 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. 51. 
And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Next verse, next verse, next verse. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, arose. Next verse. And came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. And this was after the third day. So there were two events. There were two events split into three days. We have seen what happened on the cross. Where did Jesus triumph over Satan? That's what we're examining. It was not on the cross. Because on the cross, he identified with our state. So let's talk some more about Satan and Jesus. Let's talk some more about Satan and Jesus. Hebrews 2.14, Satan had the power of death. Satan had, please take note of the tenses. Satan had the power of death. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Death reigned. Death reigned from Adam to Moses because of sin. So, in the Old Testament, listen carefully. In the Old Testament, look at me. In the Old Testament, the most unknown personality is Satan. In the Old Testament, the most unknown personality is Satan. That shows you that man was really spiritually dead. That shows you that man was really spiritually dead such that man couldn't even factor Satan out in the entire Old Testament. If it is in the epistle, you can see the works of the devil from the epistles highlighted. If you take it on its own, you will never know what the devil is. If you just take the Old Testament on its own, you will need the help of the epistles to unveil the devil in the Old Testament. Because that was communicated to men who were in bondage. The Old Testament was a communication with men who were in bondage. No wonder the communication was the way it was. Because those men were in bondage. And one of the things they did not know is that they did not know anything about the devil. That's why the Bible says, if the princes of this world had known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory because of their spiritual state. Isaiah, listen carefully. Let me tell you something shock a bit. Do you know that if Isaiah and Elijah were physically on earth, when Jesus walked the face of the earth, they will have either teamed up with the rest of the Jews to stone Jesus, they will have been among those who stoned Jesus, or they will have simply walked away and left him. Because they too were spiritually dead. There was no difference between Elijah and the disciples who ran away. They said, Peter, were you not with him? I know him not. There was no difference between them and those people. They were all in the same state. So if Elijah was around and maybe uh, uh, Isaiah and all those prophets, they also would have been among people shouting, crucify him or they would have abandoned him and walked away. Even though they were the ones who prophesied. Why? Because they too were in spiritual, spiritual death. And they were spiritually ignorant. They prophesied. Yes, they prophesied. But the Bible said they didn't know what they were saying. They were prophesying, but didn't fathom what they were saying. Why? Because they were men who were ignorant. They were without the indwelling of the Spirit of God. 
And a man without the indwelling of the Spirit of God is a dead man. So death reigned from Adam to Moses. Please pay attention. There's no way you and I could have believed that Jesus will die, buried, and rise the third day, even if we were there ourselves. We wouldn't have believed it. I mean, it's like a man just shows up. You saw where he was born. <laughs> you know where he grew up. You, you know everything about his family. Then he comes and says, I will die. I will be buried. After three days, I will rise. You tell him, get out. You tell him, get out. Jesus, Jesus was not, you know, he wasn't special. He was born in a manger. Grew up. Walked the streets of Nazareth. Slept. Ate. Was tired. Cried. You know, his mother even scolded him. Where have you been? You punished me and your father. We've been busy looking for you. They scolded him. That was nothing. In fact, the Bible speaking of him even said, even to the point of the cross, there was no beauty in him to desire. Meaning he was not even an attractive person. There was no beauty. He was like everybody else. Walked in the carpentry workshop with his father. Nothing. Then you can imagine such a person walk to you and say, I will die, I will be buried on the third day, I will rise. He tell him, get out. You tell him, get out. You know, The only way they would have known was if they had understood the scriptures. But they didn't know the scriptures. They prophesied, but they didn't know what they were prophesying. Are we in the building here? Because they were spiritually dead. And that faith could have only been communicated by God. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9, so you see what I'm saying here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 But as it is written, I had not seen Talking about the Old Testament people Their eye had not seen nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man The things which God has prepared For those whom he loves Their eyes never saw They prophesied but didn't know what they were saying Look at the next verse But God hath revealed them unto us Not unto them He has revealed them unto us By his spirit By his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And if you look at verse 8, verse 8 of First Corinthians 2, verse 8, he now says, which, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Brother Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, pay attention. Colossians 1.25 and 26. Colossians 1.25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Next verse. Even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generation. This mystery, Elijah didn't know it. This mystery, Isaiah didn't know it. This mystery, all of them didn't know it. It's been hid from ages and from generations. But now is made manifest to his saints. This is the same mystery brother Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 2. Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 2. If you have a heart of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word. Next verse. How that how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So he revealed them to us. It's a musterion, a mystery, a musterion, the Greek. 
A mystery is not something hidden from your eyes to see. A mystery simply means classified information. Classified information. That means it will take something to see it. It will take something to see it. And there's only one way to declassify it. The spirit of God. There is only one way to declassify this classified information. The spirit of God. But we have now, we have now by the spirit known what they didn't know. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. Please pay attention. 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. I put out a video today on put, put it up on Facebook and some people are just busy throwing tantrums because when a man is blind and your eyes can see and you tell him this car is blue, he can argue with you till he dies because he's not seeing what you're seeing. So, you see them just throwing tantrums. How can you say a Christian does not need deliverance? How can you say a Christian does not need deliverance? And then somebody quoted, but, but the Bible say we'll be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. That's not the same thing as deliverance, which is salvation. It's not the same. People just want to flex their little muscles. Scriptures they read that they cannot interpret. When they, when they come to where people are discussing weightier matters of scripture, they will throw their small one there. I just laugh. I don't look at them and just laugh. Because some of them are not even yet admitted in our foundation class. So there's no point wasting your time over them. Those that want to learn will honestly, humbly ask. They will ask to be helped. An ignorant person who does not humble himself is proud. And a man that is proud never learns. He never learns until his, his illiteracy will undress him in public and disgrace him. He won't learn. You come around where knowledge is pumping out all over the place. Somebody came there and just said, Dr. Damina, I don't like the way, I don't like the way you are talking about uh, once saved, always saved. You are deceiving many people. So I, I quickly asked them to get me the, the, the tablet and I said, open it, I want to reply him personally. So I said, if not that you are insincere and dishonest, you come around where I have taught salvation for over 220 hours. How many of that have you listened? How many of that have you listened? Intelligent people don't make such statements until they have exhaustively listened to what you have said before they criticize you. And I said to him, if you can just tell me how many hours, it will be useful. I think it helps him a bit. Because he came back and apologized. He said, I have never listened to any of your teaching on salvation. Only the two, two minutes one I see. He was honest. Others will have started quoting scriptures that they cannot explain. That's the problem with this generation. A lot of people are just plain ignorant. They've been brainwashed in churches where they couldn't even explain John 3.16 to them. And they memorize scriptures out of context and they think they know the Bible. And people need to really humble themselves and learn. Otherwise, they continue to be victims in the hands of charlatans. 
The essence for teaching is to bring you to knowledge. If you know it all, you don't need a teacher. You need a teacher because nobody knows it all. I'm still learning and I keep learning and I will continue to learn till Jesus comes. You can never know this Bible. You can never know all of it. We keep learning every day. Because the more you learn, the more you discover you don't know enough. The more you want to learn, the more you discover you don't know. The more you want to learn. The book is deep. Can you imagine all of lifetime, 66 books only given to every human being. And it will pass the test of time and seasons and generations. That book is not a book you can just casually read. It requires the help of the Holy Ghost and diligence in studying. Am I communicating at all? I said, am I communicating at all? You know. So, that is why you must understand that the prophets of the Old Testament didn't understand at all. They prophesied but didn't know what they were saying. Look at First Peter chapter 1 verse 10. First Peter chapter 1 verse number 10. Of which salvation the prophets, did you see that? The prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied. They are the ones who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Next verse, next verse, next verse. Next verse, verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. Watch the next verse now, verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things. Not unto them, but unto us. They prophesied, but didn't know what they were prophesying. And it was not revealed to them. It is revealed unto us. That's why the Old Testament is called mystery. The New Testament is called revelation. So if you use the revelation to explain the mystery, you use the revelation to explain the mystery. The New Testament demystifies the Old Testament. The Old Testament is, is unveiled by the New Testament. That's why we are able ministers of the New Testament. Because the New Testament is the revelation of the mystery of the Old Testament. You can never explain the Old Testament if you do not have a good understanding of the New Testament. Because it is the New Testament that explains the Old Testament. The Old Testament does not explain itself. The Old Testament does not explain itself. It is the New Testament. That's why the New Testament is called the Apocalypsis. Apocalypsis means the revelation. The Old Testament is called Musterion, classified information. What, what declassifies that information is the New Testament. Is the New Testament. Glory to God. Which the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Even the angels who saw Jesus, the day Jesus was born, the angels who saw Jesus, they spoke by the Spirit of Christ. But if you sat those angels down and ask them to explain what they said, they can't explain it. The day Jesus was born, that incarnation, those angels that spoke, they spoke by the Spirit of, of Christ. The moment they finished speaking, they themselves didn't understand what was going on. It was a mystery to the Old Testament. Even those prophets never had the indwelling of the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ which we have today, the prophets of old didn't have. So Satan was very, very shielded. A shielded personality. Question. Who shielded him? Was it God? No. Who shielded him? He held man in captivity. He held man in bondage. And he held man in spiritual debt. And a man that is in spiritual debt 
cannot understand spiritual things. Satan held man in spiritual debt because man by sin made himself a captive. So in the Old Testament, they just had faith in Christ. Now listen carefully. The best place to undress Satan is to start from the epistles. If you want to undress Satan, start from the epistles. Then come to the gospels before you go to the Old Testament. Come from the epistles, the gospels. By the time you arrive at the Old Testament, Satan will be standing naked. You undress him from the revelation of the mystery. The revelation of the mystery. Listen, this is the way to put it. Uh, you know, I'd like you to hear like this because it will make it easy for you. The Old Testament is where you have all the complicated, you know, complicated issues. The New Testament is the expo. So the Old Testament is like the exam question paper. While the New Testament is the expo to those questions. That is to say, anything the New Testament said nothing about in the Old Testament is useless to you. Anything you cannot find a commentary in the Old Testament for is not worth your time. Because the Old Testament is rightly divided in the New Testament. The New Testament unveils the Old Testament. So anything you can find in the New Testament... And anything you cannot establish doctrinally and doctrine is the New Testament. Romans to Revelation. Doctrine. Actually, Romans to Jude. Because even Revelation is still like metaphorical. So, core doctrine is the book of Romans. Acts of the Apostles is not a doctrinal material. It's an eyewitness account. So, the only way to understand the Old Testament is by using the binoculars of the New Testament to look at the Old Testament and then suddenly Satan is undressed. Are you still in the building? Now, let's do a little bit of study here. You will see that God never killed anybody if you use the New Testament to look at the Old Testament. If you use the New Testament to look at the Old Testament, you will see that God never killed anybody. Look at Luke chapter 10 verse 17. Let's see Jesus' commentary. Luke chapter 10 verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. Next verse. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as, 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 as lightning fall from heaven. This statement is what you call a simile in literature. This is a simile. That is, as similar as lightning falls, that is how Satan fell. He is not saying Satan fell from the sky. He is not saying Satan was in the atmosphere up there. So Satan now fell down. No, you are thinking like a carnal man. He was using a simile. He didn't say Satan fell from heaven. Look at another place. Matthew 25, 41. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This is a parable. It's not literal. This is illustrative. 
So we cannot draw a doctrinal construction from this statement because it is a parable. It is illustrative. Alright? Gehenna. You know, the place of darkness. Look at Matthew 16, 21. Pay attention. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Next verse. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Next verse. And But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savourest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. So you see, first of all, that Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. He was not ignorant of it. He knew everything. That's why he told them. He exposed it to them. That means, spiritual death is an offense unto Jesus. He said to Peter, you are an offense to me. What he meant is, Peter, your spiritual death, that state you are in that made you to be talking like this, is an offense to me. And that is the reason, you know, men will always follow Satan. Because they don't suffer the things of God. They will always follow Satan. If Peter had the Holy Ghost, the moment Jesus said, I will be betrayed, I will be killed, I will be handed over to the hands of sinners, he will have lifted his hands and shout, Glory! He will have rejoiced. Because that's why Jesus came. But a natural man, no, no, no. He said, you are an offense. You are blocking the purpose. Because he wasn't spiritual. He was dead. He was a natural man. He should have celebrated because that's all mankind has been waiting for. So you see, that means spiritual death is an offense to Jesus. Now that's a deep statement. That is the reason men will always follow Satan. Look at John 8, 39. You will love this. John chapter 8 verse 39. Then answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you will do the works of Abraham. Next verse. But now you seek to kill me. A man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Next verse. Woo. You do the deeds of your father. They said, then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. They hit back at Jesus. We are not born of fornication. You know what they were telling Jesus? You, we don't know who your father is. Your mother got pregnant and just delivered you. So you came out of fornication. But we didn't come. We are father and mother. Next verse. Jesus, I, I, I love Jesus. He knows how to answer them. Uh, Mr. Bush said he's savage. Eh? Jesus, you savage in this place. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you will love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. <laughs> Next verse. Why? <laughs> Jesus. I love Jesus. Why do you not understand my speech? Since you are from God, why don't all of you understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. 
Why can they not hear his word? And why can they not understand his speech? 44 now. You are of your father the devil. You are of your father the devil. You are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He abode not. I mean he was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie. He speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Oh my goodness. So God could never have created a murderer. Because if the devil was a murderer from the beginning, then certainly it is not God that created a murderer. So when he says from the beginning, it's a terminology. Used for Genesis, particularly the act of creation. When you read John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Actually, it should read, if not for grammatical limitation, it should have read, before time began was the word. Before time began was the word, because he was dealing with the pre-incarnate nature of Jesus. Before time began. Then verse 2. Verse 2 of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. The same was in Genesis. So verse 1, before Genesis. Verse 2, in Genesis. The same was in the beginning. Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of man. Alright? Now, pay attention. So when Jesus said, in the beginning here, let's see another example. Matthew 19 verse 4. Because he was a murderer from the beginning and we must establish where that beginning will be. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Next verse. And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Next verse. Wherefore there are no more twin but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Verse 8, quickly jump to verse 8. Verse 8. He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So what will be the beginning? Remember, this, this verse of scripture Jesus made reference to was in Genesis chapter 2. When God took Eve out of Adam. So Genesis chapter 2 was called beginning, which is not part of Genesis 1 creation. So when he said the devil was a murderer from the beginning, he is not talking about Genesis 1. Beginning has to do with Genesis. Are we understanding? That's why I went through all this analogy. Beginning has, has to do with Genesis. You know, man was created on the sixth day. Man was created last, making him a creature of God that was always sufficient because everything was finished before man came. God brought man into sufficiency. Marriage came after Eve came out of man. After Eve came out of man was when marriage came. There was no marriage when Eve was inside the man. It was after that deep sleep that Adam stood up and said, she is bone of my bones. That's where marriage came. So marriage came after Eve came out of man. So when Jesus said in the beginning, he was referring to the devil in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3. Where did he become a murderer? In Genesis chapter 4. So we see the devil in chapter 3 
and we see his murderous act in chapter 4. So when he says he was a murderer from the beginning, he was making reference to Cain. How do we know that that's what he was making reference to? It's in First John, I told you again, that the New Testament is the expo for the Old Testament. First John chapter 3 verse 11. First John chapter 3 verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Next verse. Not as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother and wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. Cain slew his brother. Why was he called a murderer? First John 3.15 First John 3.15 Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So in the beginning he was referring to Genesis. So the question now is very important about the devil. Something else. Second Corinthians 11 verse 3 We are undressing Satan today tomorrow. But I fear Lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. This serpent. In other words, that beginning was not the beginning when Satan was created. Because Satan was already in operation before he influenced Cain to murder Abel. So the question is, what form was the devil created before he became a murderer? Before he became a liar? In what form was the devil? There could only have been one form. Now, there are two scriptures that are very, very theologically controversial. But there's no, no basis, no need for the controversy because we'll see what it is. Now, Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 to 14, I'd like you to read it tonight. Isaiah 14, 12 to 14 and Ezekiel 28. I like you to read because we'll begin from there tomorrow. Isaiah 14, 12 to 14 and Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. Notice in Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. Let me read quickly. Isaiah and then you read at home and, 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 and study before we come tomorrow. How art thou falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which this weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like, I will be like, I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pits. Notice what he was to do. To ascend unto. Meaning he was not there. Satan was not in heaven. He said I will ascend. Meaning he was not there. That's number one. To ascend unto. The earth begun in Genesis 1. However, there are a few controversies. Because when you look at the old Hebrew translation of that chapter, they had an overkill, you know, in the way they wrote it here. Because the construction of this place was referring to a person on earth. However, if we read, you know, the portion of scripture 
just like we say Satan was never revealed. He was, you know, uh, classified in the Old Testament. When you read the place, you will not see Satan literally. You won't see him because he was veiled in all of the Old Testament. But when you come into the epistles, you will undress Satan. The epistle will expose that Isaiah where we just read. And the epistles will expose that Ezekiel where we just read. And we'll be there tomorrow. We'll do some good work there. Because if you do not know in what form Satan was, and if you don't know where Satan came from, you may not be able to handle him. As long as he remains a mystery in your understanding, anybody can just tell you Satan is going to come from the back. And you will not know whether it's true or false. So that's why it's important to know in what form was Satan and how did he function. So that when you exercise authority, you can exercise your authority effectively. I didn't hear somebody shout a powerful amen. Now, it's very important for you to know that the devil, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. From the beginning. Take note of that. He was a murderer from the beginning. Number two, he had the power of death. So God is not the killer. The devil murdered from the beginning. Number two, Satan had the power of death. Number three, John 10.10. 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Look at Jesus. I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Also look at this. Luke chapter 9. The disciples say, should we command fire to come down from heaven and destroy them as Elijah did? Jesus rebuked him and said, you know not what, man, what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. And they went to another another village. From all of this you can tell that the devil was hiding behind the scenes and operating through circumstances and killing people and making the people attribute his havoc to God. Because these men were spiritually dead. Hence, they didn't know who Satan was. Let me, let me tell you something. Do you know that in the Old Testament they never knew who Satan was? It was only when Jesus showed up that he began to expose Satan. Jesus walked into a place and all the demons started shouting, Hey! Have you come to destroy us before our time? We know who you are. You are the son of God. It never happened ever. It never, that's what the Bible says. The people say, this man's doctrine, this man has a new doctrine that even by his word, he cast out devils. So it was the revelation of Jesus that exposed the devil. It was the revelation of Jesus. You will never know Satan and you will never be able to handle Satan until you know who Jesus is. It is the revelation of Jesus that undresses the devil because Jesus is light and darkness is exposed when light comes in. Until you see Jesus, you'll never know who the devil was, who the devil is. You'll never know his limits. You'll never know how he functions until you know who Jesus is. That's why instead of finding out who the devil is, find out who Jesus is. And then from Jesus, check where the devil is. You see how little he is? You see how limited he is? You see what a non-entity is? And you see why he must not occupy the space in your prayer? Do you know that some pastors, if you take Satan, demons, kill, die, bind, lose out of their prayer and you ask them to pray, they won't be able to pray. If you remove from them, kill, die, bind, lose, out. Eh? 
If you take those adjectives out from them and you tell them pray, they have nothing to pray. Which means predominantly their prayer is in acknowledgement of how Satan has used their ignorance to torment them. But we are in the light. This then is a message that we have heard of him. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And the entrance of his word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Can I hear powerful amen? So in the light of revelation, Satan is exposed. And the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus rendered the devil totally disarmed. The devil is not an issue for the believer. Because the believer, the believer is in the light. The believer is walking in the light. The light of God's word. And he that walketh in the light has no occasion of stumbling. When you walk in the light, you don't entertain fear. You don't tolerate fear. You don't, you don't play with fear. And you don't engage fear. You live in faith. Where faith is, fear is not. Where fear is, faith is not. And what brings faith is the revelation of God's word concerning who you are. Can I hear a powerful amen? Stand on your feet. That's all I got for you tonight. Glory to God. Oh, glory. Somebody blessed tonight. Amen. Father, we pray for everybody in this building, online, in our house centers, campuses around the world, the social media community. We pray for everyone that the revelation of Jesus rises big on your inside until nothing else matters. In the name of Jesus, veils fall off and I decree that the devil is totally being unmasked and undressed completely the next few days and I declare where he had a, a hold before now through ignorance, that hold is terminated. Where he had an oppressive activity through ignorance, the yoke of oppression is terminated in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your people are rising big in revelation knowledge, rising big in the light of the world, rising big in the finished work of Christ, exercising and functioning within the confines of our authority. I pray for everybody connected to this service that the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light, that you know the hope of your calling, that you know the riches of your inheritance in the sins, that you know the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Revelation knowledge like never before. Thank you Father for answered prayer. We rebuke sickness. We rebuke infirmity. Satan, get your hands off of our viewers tonight and we receive healing on your behalf. Now receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you Father for answered prayer. In Jesus precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Glory to God. What a blessing to have all of you in the building tonight. And those of you online and those of you in our campuses. It's a joy to have all the house centers and everybody. And I'm glad tonight Mr. Bush is in the building and I'm joining him in another two minutes. Good to have you here man. We're going to have a blast tonight. Everybody grab an offering. We give in honor of Christ. We give as our responsibility to the gospel. We give as revelation. God loves us. He gave his best. We have come to appreciate. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And in that same breath, we too, we respond to God's love by loving the brethren through our giving. Our giving makes the word of God easy to get to people for whom Jesus died. So, let's get our offerings, everybody. And I want to thank partners and friends of this ministry that have tirelessly continued to give to us this ministry, enabling us to do all the things we need to do to get the gospel to the nations of the earth. I salute all of you. 
all of you partners and friends who have not relented in your givings. You have given once and again, brother Paul said, to my necessity. And you wonder what is the necessity? He said, necessity is laid on me. And woe is me if I preach not the gospel. So the necessity is the preaching of the gospel. And I want to thank all of you who partner and those of you continually give to this ministry. Thank you again. Lift up your offerings tonight. Father, we give in faith. We give with joy. And we thank you for everybody in this building and those online and those in the house centers and all of our Power City camp family worldwide. We thank you for everyone today that has honored the word of God and honored our collective responsibility through their givings so we get the gospel to the ends of the earth. I pray for everyone giving tonight. Your needs are met according to his riches in glory. You lack nothing. Everything provided in the name of Jesus. Grace abound towards you. You always have sufficiency in all things. You abound unto every good work. You lack nothing. In the name of Jesus, you are supplied for. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. And we decree that you receive concepts, ideas, insights, and opportunities. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer in the building, shout a powerful amen. Oh my goodness, what a joy. Looking forward to connect with all of you in the next set. And we are so glad to have everybody connected. Let's celebrate viewers around the world. Give the Lord a shout, everybody. Praise God forevermore. We Woo! Amen. By this message. For these, all the messages and